0: Already in the comic game or a comedy nerd? Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get behind the bits.
1: Hey, BTB buddies, I've got Dwayne White on the show today. Dwayne is a Washington, D.C.-based stand-up comedian who started doing stand-up comedy after he retired from the military. Dwayne and I actually virtually met while uh, the pandemic was in full force. He did my BTB internet talk show a couple times, and we just stayed in touch. And he is really making things happen by starting his own shows and by performing with folks like Josh Blue, Rob Riggle and Jackie cash in and generally just making things happen and uh that's really what we talked about is how to make things happen as a comedian and making your own opportunities. Here's Dwayne White. It's a good one. Dwayne White.
0: What's up? Dwayne. Good to be here. I'm good to be here. I don't know how I'm going to live up to that introduction though. Yeah, i, mean, I he's uh, a hard worker. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many bosses right now that would be like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> it's crazy.
1: Well, your work ethic changes when you're working for yourself, you know, yeah, it does. it's it's a little bit different but
0: doing you something know, you enjoy.
1: Yeah, I always thought you were uh, super cool when we got together uh, doing the talk show and doing during pandemic times and then you know, I just become this uh, fly in the wall that watches what people do. And I feel like there's really two types of comedians out there right now. There's the ones who bitch about not being able to get on shows or get anything booked and also bitch about other comedians. And then there's the ones who are out there quietly hustling and just posting their shows. And you're the one on the second part of the list that's putting out, <laughs> I looked at your website and y- <laughs> you know, you got an arm's length, long list of things that you're doing and oh, keeping them busy and staying positive at the same time. I really appreciate that.
0: The Prozac helps. That's yeah. the <laughs> it keeps me positive now, but no, it's good. No, yeah. It's been a good, it's been a good year so far. Man. Yeah. You know, it's been good. How do you get
1: yourself into that state of mind? Because, you know... Comedy is a bitch at best, yeah. And, for sure. and you get screwed over. You know, people get jobs that you think you should have. You know, all that kind of stuff happens, and it happens to everybody. How do you rise above that and just keep hustling and making things happen?
0: Oh man, I'm. I mean, I just. Uh... I think, I mean, part of it probably just has to do with the fact that I'm a little older than, yeah. than most, you know, so it's one of those things. I mean, I always joked when I started comedy, I was like, you know, everybody says, hey, it takes 10 years, it takes 10 years. I'm like, well, I don't have 10 years. I'm gonna I could be dead in ten years, man. I don't know, you know. So like, that's cool if you're 18 to have 10 years, but I, I don't know. I just think, as far as you know, as far as just keeping a positive attitude. I mean, I'm very lucky. I have a lot of good friends around that that help me out and keep me positive, you know. Because it's like everything else. Like, I get kind of down sometimes too, you know. I kind of made a joke about it this weekend. I was like, it was a great comedy week. A lot of cool things happened, and then I'm like, I know within 24 hours I'll be sitting there going, oh, I suck. I hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a weird mentality that we have. So I'm. I mean i have a really good comedy community here in the dc area you know at the place i run you know i kind of try to run it like a family and we're very supportive to each other and you know just being in you know i started with this nonprofit called armed services arts partnership it's how i started doing comedy i teach their classes for them now and it, it's just i mean and we really try to build a community mm-hmm. uh, even more so than build comics because you know these some of these folks are taking it it's just a bucket list thing they want to do it one time give it right. a shot and but we try to really build a community around that, and that's helpful. We have a big veteran community around here, so I mean that that keeps me positive. Mm-hmm. I think in that in that sense, you know, when things are going bad, you can call somebody and go, "Hey, man, do I suck?" And they're like, "No, what's shut up? Look <laughs> And They go, "Look at your calendar." I'm like, "All right, that's fair, but still, I feel like I suck." And, you know, and they're like, "Shut up." So you know, it's good, man. It's like anything. I think that that is it's. You know, anything that I've ever done in my life, I think that was difficult and was good. It was, if I was successful, is because of people around me. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And, you know, you can't just be that Lone Ranger. You'll go crazy and, right. and get in your head. So, it's nice to have that, I think. so.
1: Now, is being community-minded like that and getting with people and networking, does that come natural to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, it does and doesn't. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, it's it, Yes. I mean, to a point, I mean, I'm definitely an extrovert, you know, in that sense. And just, I think really being in the military and the types of units that I grew up in, where it was really small units and tight team and all that, it really kind of stuck with me. And that, that idea of it's more of who, you know, and how to get things done than and building those relationships than it is maybe, you know, being the guy that's the highest ranking or the guy that's, you know, that that's technically in charge. It's that idea that, you know, I just like, the relationships are what's going to get things done, and I think that's helped me a lot in this world for sure.
1: Now, when you first started doing stand-up, that was like right out of the army, right? Or- no,
0: actually, oh, no. Okay. I was so I was still working. I just started. Was I retired from the army in '15, and I was a contractor for a while. Then I was a government employee for a while, and then I started doing that when I was a government employee. Okay, which is hilarious because it just does not yeah, go together. yeah. <laughs> at all. but no i kind of stumbled on the asap thing and and yeah so so yeah and i was still working in department of defense at the time uh-huh. i kind of felt like i was still in the military but you know i just had a beard it was about the only difference yeah but, uh, it was crazy it was sh- big shout out to the razor company i need one of those it's uh, no I, you know so i was yeah i was definitely not in but working around them all the time like, still so
1: yeah it's you know your transition is so much like i i made friends with a guy since i moved down to Huntsville his name's Carmine and he was i think he was army and for a long time and then he basically got stationed here at Redstone in Huntsville and then he retired and took the same job as a contractor and is doing the same thing he did before but making more money as a contractor he just came to an open mic with me last week and it's the exact same story and it's pretty funny
0: yeah i did i did a lot of the similar things not at first when i was a contractor i didn't but when i was a government guy i was doing a lot of the same stuff and Mm -hmm. i think that's probably what told me i just was like nope we're done with this yeah Uh, I'm I'm done. I did this long enough. Uh yeah, it just was it was kind of killing me to do the same thing. I was like, "No, I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah. So so I mean, it works for some people. Some of us it's just like, "Nope. Right, this is yeah. too much. <laughs> <laughs> I did this long enough. I don't yeah. need to do anymore." Now, when yeah.
1: you first started doing stand-up, what you know, what was behind that? Why did you want to do it?
0: well to be honest I always tell them, I joke I was like I had a terrible childhood no, that's amazing. my parents didn't get along no it was I'd always wanted to be a comedian honestly uh-huh. ever since I was a little kid and you know I kind of grew up watching Richard Pryor and Robin Williams and listening to Eddie Murphy like in the basement you know oh, wow. where I couldn't get in trouble for here listen <laughs> to it but I'd always wanted to do it never had a chance to because I tried to go to like some open mics when I was a kid but he had to be 18 to get into the bars in Dallas where i was living and mm-hmm. uh, and so i couldn't go couldn't try it and i just kind of forgot about it and i was actually this is, i was actually having conversations with my son he was getting ready to he was about to graduate high school we were going through all these like really you know, deep conversations about do what you want it, don't be, you know, because I was miserable in my government job. I was like, don't do like I did, don't chase the money, don't do this. And he, and you know, I was telling him, follow his dreams. And you know, like I even told him, I was like, I used to be, I wanted to be a stand up comic, I never got a chance to try. And then one day I just happened into a coffee shop up in DC and there was a flyer for ASAP. It was like, hey, you know, would you like to try stand-up comedy? Are you a veteran? And all that, I was like, oh, well, I would be an absolute hypocrite if I didn't try this and give it a shot. Uh-huh. And it was a blast. And it was like, you know, it, it, you know, we throw the term life-changing around, but it was, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. See if I'm any good at it. You know, I'll probably suck. It won't be, good. you know, I'll go, but at least I can do it. And I fell in love with it. I mean, it just, you know, it's the best drug on the planet. Yeah. You know, as, as you know. So, I mean, it's, and here I am. So, you know.
1: And did you just dive right in and just keep going or did you do it for a while and say okay I've done it and then get drawn back
0: no I mean I was I jumped in with both feet I mean you know I did the class and had an absolute blast with it met a bunch of great people and started you know started doing the open mics now when I first started I was doing like okay I'll do one to two open mics a week and then as it got going, I'm like, okay, I'll do three or four and I, you know, start booking shows. And you're like, next thing you know, you're doing comedy five or six nights a week. And, you know, multiple shows and stuff. And you're like, this is the best thing I've ever done. This uh-huh. is so it's just every, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the more you do it, the more you want it. Uh-huh. And I keep doing it for me. So, you know, I know some people can go in and just do it for a while and back out and go, but I can't imagine not doing it every yeah. week. So it's just I don't know. I love it that much. I That's guess. great.
1: Now you're getting people that want to work with you, you know, like, like Josh blue Yeah. and, and what type of networking do you have to do to get in front of people like Josh?
0: Oh, uh, well, I'll tell you, man, Josh, the thing with Josh just fell into my lap to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, and it became, it came from the military side of things. Actually, I got a buddy of mine who's also, who was on the shows that we did in Colorado and he's, we're going to do the shows in, uh, in where are we going? Florida, Florida in October together. Mm-hmm. He's an army veteran. He went through the same program as I did a few years or maybe about a year before me. He had done some shows with like arm, this, basically through Gary Siddi's foundation. You know, the Lieutenant Dan, he has an awesome foundation, that takes care of vets. And he had done some shows in like Alaska and Hawaii. And he put my name in. For this show, and next thing you know, they called me and were like, "Hey, do you want to go on this mini tour out in Colorado with Josh Blue and Adam?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." And, and you know, Josh and I just kind of hit it off. Uh-huh. And then when he came out to DC, you know, or he was in Richmond, I went down and did a spot with him down in Richmond at the Funny Bone. And then when he came to DC, or you know, he did the Arlington Draft House, and I got to feature for him the whole mm. weekend. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's just one of those lucky things that fell into my lap that I, you know, just was lucky enough to take advantage of. So pretty it's been pretty cool in that sense yeah so, and he's a great he's a great dude he's such a fun guy to hang out with too he is he's crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so much fun so we have a good time together
1: that's great you know it's funny I did and this has been over a year ago I did that thing for Tom Dreesen's book I did that yeah. s- that little special Gary Sinise almost dropped in Oh man. I was working with his agent and I mean, she was a hundred percent all the way up until I think two days before the show. And then she said he had to, he couldn't do it. And I talked to Tom about it and he said, yeah, some shit happened. And <laughs> <laughs> it's so I missed it. Yeah. stuff <laughs> down. Yeah. And,
0: uh, no, it's been awesome. And I mean, that dude has a heart for the troops, man. I mean, he really does. Yeah. And you know, I, I you know, I, I haven't gotten to meet him in person yet, but I mean, just the stuff he does, you know, for the soldiers and, you know, well, for the troops in general, and then just putting these tours together, it's super fun. I hope, and Josh did the same thing the other day we were talking to, you know, I hope that these continue to happen because they're a blast. They're an absolute blast to go to, especially as an army guy. I mean, like I got, I was stationed at Fort Carson when I was in the army. So we did a show out there and you know, it was like going home yeah. and then yeah. this tour, we're actually going to be down there at, in at Eglin air force base 20 years to the, almost to the day of when I, th- that's where the last phase of ranger school is. And it's almost 20 years to the day of when I got out of or when I wasn't down there for ranger school. So we're going to go wow. and check that out. And it's going to be a much better experience. I'm going to have food and sleep. <laughs> it's going to be so much better. <laughs> but we're going to check it out. It's just cool how that stuff kind of works out, you know? Yeah
1: yeah that's that that's really neat now you talked about the community you have there in the d c area. Is that a community that like because you're running shows and stuff like that is something is yeah. that something that you helped to build or was it there I mean, and you became a part of it? <clears throat>
0: No, I mean, to a little bit of both. I think. I mean, there was a community there, especially when we start talking about vets. And then, but the comedy community in general here is really is pretty good. You know, I mean, every comedy community's got their weird clicks and the strange mm. stuff that happens, right? But there's it's a good scene out here. It's not like it's not just like there's a handful. There's a lot of folks, and you can do comedy somewhere here every night of the week. There's some something going on or multiple things going on. So it's a good, you know, it's a good community. As far I mean, I think I built some of it. Like you know. When I started my room down here, I live about half hour south of the city. And when I started my room, we were one of the only things in town because it was right at the end of the pandemic. You know, I started up, Virginia was open, but D.C. wasn't. You know, so a lot of people came through here and, you know, you just we started You know, it kind of became this place to hang for comics. And, you know, I just, I kind of try to run it like a family, you know, in a sense, you know, and, you know, I'll have comics come over for dinner or, you know, sometimes or Thanksgiving or whatever. I kind of go into that old military mindset where I'm like, I just want to take care of, you know, they're all A lot of them are just kids, you know. So I want to be, you know, kind of be that. And I'm older, you know, and I, (laughs) and so, you know, my, and so my wife and I run it together. And it's, so it's kind of like our, family in a lot of ways in that sense so yeah I guess both I'm kind of rambling but yeah Uh I guess both it was there and I kind of helped build some stuff in it but that's really
1: nice it's you know it's always kind of a cool spot to be the old one in a comedy scene and you're I mean you're kind of a baby compared to me but they kind of I think some of them are just nice to you by default because they think you're like with me they think I'm their grandpa with you, maybe dad. And, but then when you get to know them and they find out you're as twisted as they are, you're just older yeah, sure. um, and, yeah. and you know how to control more So in a lot of
0: ways, but yeah, it's funny. Like when they first, some of the younger folks and they come in, you know, it's like they're I had one guy in particular, he was like this 18 year old, just graduated from high school. He was uh-huh. like, Mr. White, knock that shit off. Like, Let's stop that. <laughs> We're done with that. Yeah, I don't, need, I don't need that. But, but no, it's, it is it's cool too, to, to, you know, cause some of these kids are even younger than my kids you uh-huh. know, that are coming in. So it's, it's cool to watch them and cool to talk to them. They, you know, they got a lot of energy and no, no life experience. Yeah. So That's- one of these days, yeah. when they will <laughs> be, be good.
1: Now, you said a half hour south, so I'm mapping things. Is that Alexander? A
0: little bit further south than that. So, like, I'm in Woodbridge. I'm okay. In, in, okay. Uh, yeah. Right off of 95. Okay. Um, right, right. Yeah. So.
1: My daughter's in Falls Church, and I, okay. you know, you're one of them I've wanted to have coffee with, and oh, there, there's a few of them in the DC area that I've I've wanted to see when I'm there. But my grandkids are there, and I'm yeah, always just busy. 100% consumed by them. And but I'll get out one night, and we normally oh, yeah. just spend a weekend there anyway. So man, yeah, let me
0: know next time you're coming out, for yeah,
1: sure, yeah, cool. and but I and I've never seen a show in D.C. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been to the cigar bar there and a couple other places, but I've never gotten to see a comedy show there.
0: Oh, man. You got to come out. I mean, there's comedy shows every night of the week, for sure, especially on the weekends. I mean, you know, Thursday through Sunday, there's always something hot going on uh, in D.C. So it it really is a good, it really is a really good, uh, you know, uh, comedy scene out here I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Now this is a question I ask a lot of people because you run a room, you get to see those 18-year-olds and you get to see the ones that are you know, they're definitely raw. They're yeah. not they're not a cut gem yet. And right, right, right. but you notice these uh, these sparks of greatness and diamonds in the rough and all the clichés I can say. Yeah. But, but you when you see that and you're in a position of being able to give advice and you also see them shooting themselves in the foot right after they do something good. What types of advice have you given them? What advice would you give to a, you know, a 20 year old that just, they've got a decent 10 minutes right now, but they, they don't know what to do with it. What advice do you give those types of kids?
0: Man, I mean, I think I'd give them the same advice that anybody starting. I was just like, and this is what someone told me is just be a good person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe, you know, not necessarily from the comedy standpoint, you know, just being a good person that people want to be around. It's amazing how much, how far that can take someone in the community as far as, you know, if they're trustworthy, if they're on time, if they're, if they're, you know not being the guy that's harassing all the people in the room and stuff like that. They're not drunk and high all the time. I mean, I mm. just tell them like, be a reliable, good human being that you'd want to book. If you're a book at shows, you know, it, when it comes to comedy, I mean, you know, sometimes I'll offer feedback, you know, but I try not to offer much comedy feedback unless they ask, you know, mm. and some people do, you know, where I'm like, okay, you know, here's a spot where you could tag it, stuff like that. But, you know, cause everybody's got their own thing and trying to figure out their own voice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's really what I try to tell them to do is just like that idea of being a professional and being somebody that that someone wants around. Right, right. Why do you, uh,
1: so how did you get the room? Let's talk about that. Let's go back to getting a room. How do you yeah. go about
0: doing that? I send my wife to talk to him. <laughs> that's my trick. It's like nobody wants to talk to this old freaking middle-aged bearded white guy, but I send in the tall, hot German chick and it's like, hey. <laughs> Like, hey, have you guys ever thought of doing the comedy? <laughs> Next thing you know, it's worked several times. But no, no, she's much more; she's way better. And then she's like, and it's a bait and switch. And she's like, oh, good, this is my husband. He'll talk all the details with you. It's so great. No, I it, yeah, I think so. We had another room that we started earlier in, in, in during quarantine when things were still really. They were still kind of closed up but they were starting to open up uh, and she went in and talked to this guy and um it, it it was okay it was a good room we did the best we could do with it but then uh, they shut down they the whole business went under and uh, and this other this place we just kind of stumbled into it i knew they had been having bands and things like that there and so went in to talk to them and they were great i mean they were on board i just i went in and was like hey you know, we'd like to bring whatever slow night you have. And, you know, they were slow on Tuesdays. I'm like, mm. we'll do Tuesdays. Let's do it. And, you know, the first night we did it, you know, even, even just comics, you bring in 18, 20 people that they had nobody there yeah. and they were thrilled to death. And then, you know, as word starts getting out, the comics are funny and people start showing up and, you know, you build an audience and it just kind of took off and they love it. And they're a great venue for it. We've just, you know, that, that relationship that we have is so good. You know, they've, uh, help we've done things there they put in permanent lights for us now and they put in you know different things that you know now we don't have to bring in as much equipment and you know they're they're doing a lot of upgrades to the place to to make it more convenient for us they love it and then you know we went from doing just an open mic once a week to he said hey can you do more stuff during the week so we started doing like a riff mic every other week where people just come in and make stuff up Mm. which is a blast it's like game night with comics and then you know started doing showcases there and you know contests and stuff so i mean it's a really it's just honestly i think we just got really lucky with finding that relationship because they're great well and i'll tell you what helped us the most this is no kid. is the bartender the head bartender at this place used to be a stand-up comic took like a 10-year hiatus and when we came back now he has he's you know he was great he's doing comedy all the time at least two three times a week now again and you know sometimes he hosts for me and stuff like that but he he, it was great because like a lot of times when at the other places where i'd say hey we need to do this and it needs to be super dark i need to cram seats in i need it to be you know the lights are going to be insanely bright and all these different things to make it like a comedy club Uh and you know where other places this bartender would be like on the side he's like no he's totally right like you should do that (laughs) it was great (laughs) he's such a he's such a behind the scenes like ally for us yeah it's awesome so it's like, totally yeah, no, it's I know it's crammed in, but it's better for comedy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was so lucky, oh, and, yeah. and he's a great dude, and he helps us so much in that. And he like I said, he hosts for me now, he hosts shows, he's doing great stuff, and so it's cool to have him as part of the team there. so it's fun,
1: yeah, that's definitely if you know you know type thing is you, yeah, you just you just have to know that. So let's talk about your act because you yeah. you know you've got it, you've got got it to a point where you know you can work with a Josh Blue and and what did it take because you know you talk about the 10 year plan and then you talk about what you were on which is a much shorter span how did you condense everything to the point where you can get your act to a point where you're good enough to go up there
0: Well I mean I think Well, I think the biggest thing that helped me was when, was during the pandemic, instead of, you know, a lot of comics just shut down, they're like, we're not doing it. And, you know, Zoom sucks and this and that. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. But it's what we have, you know, it's what is out there right now. And it's where people are. It's where an audience is. So by God, I'm doing it, you know, so, and, you know, I just jumped in with both feet and a couple of friends of ours. I mean, Nick Baskerville, I know he's been on your show. You know, we started a weekly show where we were doing stuff and, you know, it was definitely different, but it was one of those things where I think it really helped that I just, I mean, I would do three, four things a day from my basement. It was awesome. You didn't have to drive anywhere. You didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't the greatest laughs all the time, but it was a place to, to get some reps in. And I think that honestly, I think that helped me a lot during the time. And I definitely saw it right after the pandemic, you know, when people would come out and they were really rusty, you know, they hadn't been in, on stage in two years. Yeah. And it helped. I mean, that helped a lot from a networking standpoint, to be honest, too. I mean, you know, I met you, I met all these different people online, all over the country, all over the world, you know? So, I mean, that when you could, so that then when things broke, you had a name out there and people knew that, you know, who you were and you could get gigs and, you know, key is stage time, right? So the more stage time you could get, the better. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I guess, does that answer your question? Does that kind yeah. of answer your question yeah. i don't know i was like i just didn't quit i, just, <laughs> I was like i refused to quit you know? oh you're but, such a military guy <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's funny What happened? We were down on it. I had just gotten picked up when pandemic happened to teach the class for my first, like as a primary instructor for the Armed Services Arts Partnership class. And we were like, this is going to suck. This is terrible. We don't want to do it. This isn't how comedy works. Like, we'll start the class this way. But then by the end of the six week class, we'll be back in live at the improv. Everything will be fine. And that was obviously not true. And (laughs) But when it became clear that was how things were going to go, they doubled down, too. And they said, every Friday night, you know, we are going to do a show with alumni from this program. And at first, I was like, oh, it's going to suck. But, you know, all right, I'll do it. And then, you know, we kind of figured it out. We kind of worked out the kinks, which made Zoom mics not that bad to go to. You know, the first few really sucked. It was horrible. Yeah. But after a while, you know, we figured it out. And, and, and you know, you go, okay, this isn't so bad. We can uh-huh. do this. And, you know, that helped get into the zoom stuff more, which then helped get into the other stuff. And yeah. So, and yeah. So, I mean, as far as condensing it, I don't know. I just go do stuff. Yeah. (laughs) As much as like, you know, I have a very hard time saying no to things, you know, if I'm not already booked, I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's go. And, and then, you know, trying to, you know, made it, made some good goals this last year of like, Hey, I want to perform in X number of States. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you just kind of check stuff off as you go and go, okay, I am making progress. Cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. so.
1: I think one of the big mistakes I see comedians make is they really get married to a bit, even though it doesn't work. And I think that the, and I don't want to say old people are better, but I, you know, the maturity and having gone through failures in life and stuff like that and ha- having bad shit happen to you yeah i think it it makes you a little bit more self-aware and you can say goodbye to a bit a little bit earlier something that you think's funny that just ain't working yeah. and i think that i think in some cases when you start a little bit later that helps bring you forward a little bit quicker
0: yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's funny. We all, we joke about that a lot. It's like, no, you should just keep telling that same joke the exact same way. Yeah. And don't keep it at all. <laughs> Eventually, people are going to get it. <laughs> no, I don't think, that's not the point. You're supposed to be changing it and working it out. That's the point of a mic, man. You're supposed <laughs> to be figuring it out. But, but yeah, you see that a lot where it's like, no, I'm just going to keep saying this bit yeah. about, about my genitalia over <laughs> and over again. And someone will laugh. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, someday, someday. Now,
1: I met a guy down here that he's a vet and has some pretty severe PTSD, and he pretty much says that if he didn't start doing comedy, he'd be dead now. Have you, in teaching that class, have you run into people that's changed your life?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're very careful to say, like, hey, we're not therapists. This isn't therapy. You know, it's therapeutic, but we're not therapists. But, yeah, I mean, you see guys come in and... I don't know that. Well, well, yeah, no, for real. I mean, yeah, I've seen some folks that I know that are in the program or they went through the program that are definitely like, you know, they have PTSD or they have, you know, difficulty dealing with stuff that are that the comedy and even more so the community, I think, you know, I don't want to say just the art form is helpful, but the community that we build around it is also super helpful. I think to these folks because, you know, just, especially for the veterans, You know, we want to be, we want to realize, hey, we're not alone. And DC is a weird place. There's a ton of us out there, but DC is a weird place where everybody just kind of scatters to their own corners. It's not like, you know, a smaller area where they're, you know, where, you know, you can feel like you're part of a family. It's very easy to kind of get lost in the shuffle out here. So, you know, having that. I think has helped, you know, and just, you know, even people that don't continue to do comedy, you know, maybe they just get in and they, because, you know, the, the organization teaches different art forms too. So they get in through comedy and they go, oh, well, I'm really a writer. I want to go take a writing class. And then they get in with yet another group of people and, you know, and, but you see him coming through shows, even people that haven't done comedy in, in years at this point will still come to shows, still hang out with people. And it's very cool to watch that, you know, to see that community. I mean, we had a guy, he started our class due to some family things. He had to leave after one week, but it was like the first time he had done anything publicly in like over 15 years. Uh-huh. Like he was just that kind of a, is shut in with his anxiety and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like after just a couple of weeks of talking to us, then he had to leave the class. But even then, he you know, he came out to a show last week was I, you know, and it was like, okay, this is awesome. Somebody mm-hmm. just because somebody from the community called him was like, Hey, can you come out? You want to go to, and yep. Okay, cool. And you know, it's that stuff that I think helps more than anything. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah sometimes yeah. that's all it takes is somebody to call them and say, I'd like to see you. And um, yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah I didn't I just, mean to take the room down, sorry. Yeah. You <laughs> <Get all laughs> know, then it is PTSD, <laughs> but now it's cool to watch that, man. I mean, it's, I'm very passionate about, you know, seeing people that may not, step out of their comfort zone kind of step out of it and live their life where they kind of been sheltered because you know the self uh, you know self-inflicted sheltering you know based on stuff that happened to them but yeah it's awesome
1: yeah what's the best compliment you've got from a big name comic oh man that's ooh, that's a hard one (laughs) this
0: is different than the talk show isn't it yeah, yeah. Wait for Dean Martin. It's like, damn it, Dean. I studied for Dean. No, it says I will say the first the first comment I really remember getting that was that it was funny. And I don't know is he's a big name here in DC. Ramin Mastafavi, very good dude out mm-hmm. here. He's 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 great. He's kind of one of my mentors as well. But he the first time I saw him, I've been doing comedy for like three months and he and he's known for being very blunt and very direct and he walks up the first show i'd done with him he walks up he goes hey uh, how long have you been doing comedy i'm like oh, since uh, it was june or i was like this oh, since like march like, and even that was kind of a stretch because that's when i started class It was like really like two uh-huh. months he goes he goes you didn't suck <laughs> like, thank you i appreciate that compliment sir thank you so much <laughs> <laughs> i was like you didn't suck like, i really appreciate you know but you know I, I, yeah, it's, i mean and you know tony woods would give me some compliments he's out here all the time and, mm-hmm. and you know that that means a lot when tony says something good but yeah it's it's weird you know when a comic just being told you don't suck is a compliment in the comedy
1: world yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> when i first started doing open mics i would drag my wife to everyone that she'd come to And the only question I'd ask her at the end of it was, was I the worst? And if I got, was I the worst, even once I was just going to quit. And I was never the worst. And I was definitely in the bottom of the pack sometimes, but.
0: (laughs) There's always somebody worse than you. For young comics, there's always somebody that sucks more than you. that's hilarious dude yeah that's i mean that'll put a strain on a marriage going to an open mics all the time no doubt i feel bad for my wife because she sits there through all of it like now because i go out and talk to the comics and hang out and she sits there she lights them and everything Uh i'm just like you poor woman (laughs) (laughs) like she's a glutton for punishment man that's okay so Uh, what does she think about the whole thing
1: you know she's definitely supportive but
0: you know how it's a nighttime job and yeah so so well it's So, we went through a few phases. I will say that. Everybody in my house has yelled at me through tears at one point of, like, all you care about is comedy. (laughs) I'm (laughs) like, well, comedy doesn't talk back. But, no, it's... (laughs) in the beginning, I think she was more, she was less supportive. She's like, okay, cool. It's another hobby. Like Uh he's hunting or playing golf or what, you know, something else is just going to drag you away. And I mean, but there was, I don't know exactly when it was, but there was a time when it really clicked and it just changed where she's like, okay, this is what he wants to do. This is what he's going to do. And then, you know, then it started, especially when I started talking about and then quit my day job, you know, Uh to do it full time. She was like, you know, she really, and she was very supportive on that and it really turned a huge corner. And, you know, just at one specifically, just like she mm-hmm. turned and now she's like, it's your, it's, this is what you do. This is your job. So, you know, even when I'm like gone last week on short notice and, you know, all the, and gone three days before that trip, you know, it's like, she goes, Hey, this is your job. I get it. It's fine. Uh And so it's, it's actually really nice to have that support now. Cause I, I mean, like I said, early on it was a little touch and go, but it's awesome now. And this, to be perfectly honest with you, this is the first time I think in our entire life we found something we really do well. Together as a team, like she's that efficient German, you know, yeah. doing the, you know, she can run things and she can, you know, she builds stages, she runs, she goes down on show days and sets up the entire venue, so it looks like a, it really looks like a comedy club and does mm-hmm. all that. So she's like totally, uh, you know, she's she does that, and then I can deal with the creative side and deal with the comics and stuff like that. So. so In reality, I mean, I joke with people like we're the best we've ever been in that sense because she's part of the team. And, you know, we really I really feel like we're a team. Yeah. Maybe more so than we ever were. So it's pretty cool.
1: It's so similar to my wife and I, because you know, I was uh, right before the pandemic, I was doing shows at a place. And, you know, she was there taking money and uh, doing the door and making sure everything was cool and uh, helping me with the tables and everything else. So, yeah, yeah, I totally dig it.
0: Well, it's nice, too, because she can be a jerk to people when they come in. And like, they don't want to sit where she wants to put them. And they're like, and she can get mad because, because if I have to do it, then I'm like, then I get up to host like, Hey, what's going on, everybody? How's it going? I know I just told you to shut up and sit down, but thanks for coming out. I appreciate you being here. It's helpful. I can be mad at her.
1: So it's good. That's great. I asked this question on my earlier interview, and I think I'm going to start asking it more. So as a comedian, your, your work week is really, different than everybody else's work week. But you still have to do the stuff to make the work week happen at the times that you're not working. You're not doing stand up. So what is a typical Monday and Tuesday during the day like for you?
0: Monday is a really big admin day. You know, so I do a lot of admin stuff. I get a lot of, you know, for the following week, if I haven't already put it out, because I kind of start my work week for comedy on Sunday, where I'm like, that's when I try to send out the, you know, the list for the open mics that I'm running of when they're going to, who's going to be on it, because everything I do is sign up in advance, you know, and so I send that out and get that rolling, you know, Mondays are reviewing the Eventbrite pages for the upcoming shows, creating Facebook posts for the open mics, you know, doing for private gigs, you know, although private gigs would kind of answer as they come in, but doing, getting private gig stuff set up, communicating with venues, kind of reviewing the schedule, doing all, I try to do a lot of the admin stuff. Tuesday, I try not to do as much just cause I know I'm going to run the mic that night, you know, getting the order together, you know, talking to folks. Yeah. Just kind of a little less, but still pretty heavy admin day. So, so, so that's kind of, that's kind of how it goes. You know, uh-huh. Tuesday is really how my, when my comedy week, Tuesday night is when my comedy week typically starts, you know, so I try to go out, I try every Tuesday to go or Usually every Tuesday I go out to lunch with a really good comedy buddy of mine here that lives real close. And, you know, we just kind of shoot the breeze and talk talk comedy business stuff and things. But yeah, so Monday's an admin day, man. Hey, yeah. really, I've been doing admins since I got up this morning. <laughs> so Monday's the least fun day. Oh, and then
1: you get stuck talking to me. So this is good. This is good. I like it. So when do you write
0: then? So what I'm, what I try to do doesn't always work out, but I try to do, I try to do the morning pages bit from, you know, from the artist way and from the whole Judy Carter book where you sit down every morning. So I try to write like two or three pages every morning, just kind of free flow writing ideas. And then Uh, you know, I'll take those, I'm in a couple of writers groups with some comedy friends and sometime throughout the week, you know, we'll get together and hash out ideas and kind of bounce things off of each other, you know, throughout the week. And so, yeah, I try to write every morning and then I try to like, kind of refine it just, you know, maybe before I go to a mic or before, you know, I head out, but yeah, I try to do it every morning. It depends on the day, how long, whether or not that actually happens, but.
1: So hosting an open mic gives you the opportunity to try out new material. So when you're hosting, how much new material do you do versus like some of the tried and true stuff?
0: So now I do mostly new stuff. I'd probably say 75% new stuff, but so when I was hosting, so when I first started out, I've changed the way I run my mic a little bit. So when I first started and I was always the first You know, I would host from the beginning to the end. I would always feel like I had to in order to set the tone. I would always do some pretty tried and true stuff and try some stuff out. But I would do the classic, you know, let's sandwich stuff in between new stuff in between old stuff. And but now what I do is I have someone else host the first half of the show. And then I come up about the midway through. So it's all so I don't feel like I'm responsible necessarily for, you know, setting that tone up front. I can do it and then I can just kind of take over the show when it's already warmed up and I can play with some newer. I feel like more freedom to play with new bits. And then, you know, I'll still throw some, you know, some older stuff in there just a lot of times now just to practice because I don't get a chance to do some of the stuff that, you know, that I want to play with here and there just to knock the knock the rust off of it Mm -hmm. But then in between comics, you know, I try not to do too much, but you know, every so often I'll get a little riff going and I'll be like, okay, that's a good bit. Yeah, for sure. Make a note of that and try it again. It's amazing the ideas
1: you get from somebody else's
0: last bit,
1: you know, (laughs) and and it's not the same thing, but something pops in your head. Yeah. Yeah,
0: You think, Oh yeah. Okay. I get this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah." Or you're, you know, they'll start talking about tattoos and you're like, I have a tattoo joke. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's hard work, hosting, but it's a lot of fun. You get a lot of, you do get a lot of bits out of it, you know, because you never know what's going to happen in the room and what's going to be said, who's going to show up. You never know. So it's always one of those things where you're always kind of mining for material. At yeah. That point. So yeah. It's pretty awesome.
1: Now, you talked about goals and the goals you had for this year. What types of goals do you have ahead of you that you're trying to get to,
0: and what are you doing to get to them? Well, let me pull off my little shirt. I <laughs> I push. So I mean, I think the ones that I'm that I haven't really hit this year that I'm really wanting to do is, you know, I said, you know, write to write 30 minutes a day because I wanted to come up with another 45 minutes of like A level material, which uh-huh. I haven't gotten there yet. And, you know, that's one of those things where it's like the more shows you do, the it's like the less new material you come up with because you're just doing <laughs> the old stuff because you don't want to do new stuff at shows. But yeah. you know, uh, let's see. Financial you know, I have a financial goal and that I haven't hit yet, but I will, you know, I'm definitely on track to hit that one a few more festivals this year that i want to get onto, and you know one of the things that i've struggled with that i know i need to do that's one on one of my goals is you know the social media stuff you know tiktok is it's it sucks but it's there you know and trying to get tiktok videos out and i was like i'm gonna do two a week and then i'm like i would hopefully do two a month because <laughs> not a thing. Yeah, it's like, but you know i get on there when i can think of something good and and You know, it's funny because this has made me think, but there's one comedian who does a ton of TikToks that's here and he's like, Hey man, I want to shoot some TikTok videos with you. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. But, you know, looking at this, I go, you know, I could meet that goal if I actually did this with him. So I yeah. needed, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, so I mean, I just made a ton this year. I really sat down and, and wrote out a bunch of them this year. And it was, you know, I want to, like, I wanted to perform in 10 states, the you know, the financial side, do X number of nights every week, host at certain clubs. There was a certain show that that a buddy of mine runs here that I really wanted to get on and, uh, you know, got on that. And so, yeah, it, it's been kind of amazing. It's funny because I teach you know, one my part-time gig now, I have a do have a part-time gig where I teach like leadership coaching and stuff uh-huh. to, to the Navy, which I always joke is kind of a waste of time. But it is, it's, <laughs> sorry, Navy people, but, and to my company, but, you know, it's just like this part-time side thing that I do, but it's, it, 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 that's fun too, because I get material out of that. But, you know, what I was talking about like, you got to set goals, you got to do this. And I was like, okay, I got to put my money where my mouth is on this. And it's been amazing how much that's helped me. Because when it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't want to go do this show in you know, West Virginia or Connecticut. I'm like, well, you said you wanted to do 10, show, 10 to non, you know, DC, Maryland, Virginia States this year. <sighs> yep, I do. And okay, I'm going to Pennsylvania to do a show at a campground. But, you know, and it's funny because all those things lead to something else. Yeah. You know, they all, yeah. everything spirals and leads to another gig. So it's, it's always worth it, you know so it's cool
1: yeah and congrats on writing them writing the goals down because it's not a goal unless you write it down
0: i feel like such a cheese ball sometimes but it does work. <laughs> work it actually where you changes. you know you got to have those things there and it changes changes the game you know yeah. it focuses you at least you know it's now funny. i haven't done all these things with being a good father and all that but those are crap goals anyway they're not oh yeah. you'll never achieve that yeah <laughs> be a better dad okay <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> I don't know what that means, but like spend less in therapy on your children. Okay, cool. That's yeah, good. just That's don't survive. write that
1: down. Yeah, they, <laughs> I haven't done it. And my kids are both grown completely 30 and 31 and 28. Ugh, not yeah. Quite there. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're not worry about and that.
0: One. I'm just trying to survive. I'm yeah. Just
1: trying to get through this alive. <laughs> So I asked this one once in a while, and I haven't asked it for a while. What what three things do you know now that you wish you would have known when you
0: first started doing stand-up? Oh, man. Man, what three things that when I first started doing it? Let's see. That was, that's a good question, man. Ain't it? Dean gave me that one. Did he? A dude, yeah. He's kind of a jerk. I think just the idea of how hard it is. Actually, is you know how hard the work is that you got to put in. I think everybody, when they first see stand up and they first get into it, start going, Hey, this is you just get up and talk, man. It's easy, it's super. And you don't realize the number of hours that go into you know just refining that bit and getting something to where it's like a level. You know, I think I read one study, it was like 23 hours is the like the norm for one level, one minute of A-level material. And I'm like, wow. that checks out. It makes sense, yeah, yeah. you know, in reality when we think about it. So I think that I would be the one is just how much work it is. I think, you know, knowing, well, I'll tell you, Someone gave me this great advice and I didn't take it for like a year. And it was, and I wish I would have taken it, is a way to get on people's shows, if you want to get on shows, is go to be an audience member in their show, at their show. Yeah. And it's amazing how that, go, like, they go, oh, this person, Came to see our show, and they want to get so they want to get on. And you know what? I'm going to give them. I didn't do it until I'd been doing it for a little bit, and I went to this guy's show. And literally, he was on. He was like the feature, and he grabbed me at the end. And he yells over to the producers, "Put this guy on a show." And i was like, "Okay, <laughs> cool." So next thing you know, like I'm doing shows with him all the all the time. <laughs> and I think that the you know the other, the, I think the last thing I would say, just like not to take things personal. And I. You know, I think especially when you start like, and I know this now as a as someone who books shows and runs shows, it's like, dude, there's not, I'm not like, out. I mean, there's a handful of people that I'm like, I will not put that person on, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're just a jerk or they're, you know, whatever. But is the idea of like, it's not personal Nine ninety nine 99 out of a hundred times. It's just that like, it's that person is not thinking of, you know, they have so many people that they can choose from to put on the show. And, you know, it's in a lot of ways, it's whoever's in their brain at the time, which mm-hmm. kind of goes back to the second point of like be visible, yeah, you know, yeah. but it's that idea, you know, you're like, why am I not on this show? Why am I not getting on this show? You know, I need to. And it's like, sometimes you just got to reach out and go, Hey man, I'd love to get on your show. Cause they're not thinking of you at that point in time. And, you know, once you get in their brain, then they start thinking about you. So I, I think that is, it's such a, it's hard not to take personal when you first start. And you're like, I should be on all these shows. I want to be on everything. And it's like, well, that's not how it works. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, I think, I guess those are the top three. I was, cool. nothing about joke writing, nothing about being yeah. funny at all. Just like, <laughs> here's the business stuff. I'm like, yeah. Here's how. To be <laughs>
1: Well, and that stuff's important. It's always so overlooked, especially when you're new. You just you don't think about that stuff because your head is in trying to just be funny. And yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and you're you know, and you're and you don't know what you don't know about the environment. You don't know what it is. You know, and you're just you know, and I think we all think at the beginning where it's like, oh, people will just call me. They'll see how great I am. Yeah, and they'll call me. And you're like, but you know, it's just like that little email of like, hey. And your show's awesome. I'd love to do it sometime. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I'll get you on. You know, next show. Okay, cool, thanks. You know, yeah. it's weird because you don't think of like reaching out because you see all the things in the movies where it's like, oh, you just get found. Yeah, like, greatest I've ever seen. It's like, <laughs> eh, maybe not.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think that's happened to any comedian.
0: <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> no accidents
1: in comedy. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. It takes a lot of work, man. It, it's a tough gig, man. Yeah. For sure. It's tough you gotta love it. I mean, you gotta love it to do it. Yeah. And, you know, you see people that's like you can just tell like, okay, that person's gonna be in for about six months and then they're gonna get tired of it and the games and stuff. I mean, you just it, it has to, you have to just love it you know, and not be able to really do anything else. I'm convinced of that. Yeah,
1: for sure. It's been great catching up with you. It's been, it's probably been a year since we talked or more. I think it has. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's been been, a long, it's been a while. It's It's been been a rough year for the move and everything. So I kind of just crawled within myself and didn't do anything for a while, except for try to find a place to live. So that was, well, I'm glad you're back out doing it, man. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're definitely right about
0: being rusty though, man. It's rough it is tough to go back out after a while yeah i I see that for like a week's vacation you're like "Ah, ah," you know oh i forgot the whole second half of that joke
1: yeah and last week when i invited carmine to go with me i called my wife and she was in dc with the grandkids and uh she said you doing that open mic i said yeah she said well what you gonna do i said i'm gonna do all new stuff (laughs) and she said what are you doing that for (laughs) And she was yeah. right. It oh,
0: Don't say that. Don't give her that satisfaction. <laughs> hey,
1: after 40 years, I hear you. I no, I hear a bit you. of
0: satisfaction I can give her. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair.
1: Well, thanks so much for doing this. It's oh, great thanks to catch up me. and you know, you I I don't know if anybody else notices, but I tell you what, I've been noticing the hustle and I you it's neat to see good things come from it. And I, I think you. you're the right guy to get it. So I really appreciate you know the fact that you came on my stupid show a couple times and the, the so we kept in, <laughs> that we kept in touch and it, it's 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 really great to see you just doing as well as you're doing.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Now,
1: as far as uh, I got your website up and it'll be in the show notes, where can people find you on the socials?
0: The socials, so DwayneWhiteComedy.com is, it's got all my shows and stuff listed. So that's the best place to go to see where I'm going to be. But then on the socials, I'm White Dwayne Comedy on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that. So if you just got to reverse it. Cool. (laughs) White Dwayne Comedy.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Well, thanks so much for doing the show. You bet. Thank you for having me. I appreciate Mm -hmm. it.